Hey, everybody, and welcome to Learning from Smart People. I am your host, Rob Oliver. And uh, for those of you that are watching on YouTube, you will see that we are in the brand new decorated studios for the Learning from Smart People podcast. And over my head, you'll see my, my daughter made me some signs. It's got the name of the podcast. It's got our uh, it's got our social media. It's it's everything. And don't tell my wife that I said this, but I also have a plant growing out of my head. But I love the new studios. For those of you that are listening on the on the podcast, go out, go over to YouTube and check us out and see exactly what we've got going on because this is new and I'm I, I'm just really I'm touched at my daughter's work to make this happen. My guest today is Sima Dahl. She is a CSP and AS and MBA, all of which, if you are in, if you swim in the right alphabet soup, it means a lot to you. Um, there's NSA, there's Toastmaster, there's education, all in there wrapped up in those fun little letters. Uh, she is an international speaker and branding visionary who will revolutionize the way you think about the business of personal brands. Her experience as an award-winning market market her paved the way for the sway factor, which is her groundbreaking personal branding strategies that empower professionals to stand out, stay relevant, and be in demand. Sema, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you for that warm introduction. And I, for one, applaud your daughters. I like the plant growing out of the top of your head very much. <laughs> Nice. Well, thank you very much. So let's jump right into this. Okay. Let's talk about personal branding and to you, well, explain what is personal branding in the simplest of terms so that we're all on the same page to start with. I only speak in the simplest of terms. So that's a question I can answer. I think of your personal brand as the combination of your character your competence, and your charisma. Now, when I meet you, I may not get a sense of how deep your character goes or all your, your competencies. So personal branding in action is the way you behave, the way you speak, the way you lean in offline and online to help me understand who you are, what you do, what makes you special. And for most of your listeners, what a good lead or opportunity looks like. That's your sway factor. The degree to which your network of people you meet, even the people you've known for a long time, know what you're looking for in life next. Okay. So you talked that you sway factor comes right in here. What is sway factor? Can you give me like you gave me kind of a, an introduction to it. what is it and how do I know if I have it or how do I develop it? Where does Sway Factor come into working with that personal brand? Sure. Once you have a personal brand aspiration established, how you want to be known, what an opportunity looks like for you. For example, if you're listening right now and you work in an organization for somebody else, the next opportunity for you might be being asked to serve on a task force or lead a committee or a promotion, an opportunity to manage staff. Whereas if you're in sales or own your own business, you might be looking for that next perfectly qualified lead or venture capital, whatever that is, establishing how you want to be known and thought of, you know, you have a high degree 
of sway. You've raised your sway factor when your network works for you, when they serve as a virtual sales force, connecting dots and opening doors, when you have the right of first refusal on a perfect opportunity that perhaps you didn't even know you wanted, but somebody saw you in that higher place excelling at it. Okay. And it sounds, I'm hearing you talk about this and a lot of times people do it backwards from what I'm hearing you say. Okay. People are finding an opportunity and trying to make themselves the match for the opportunity. And you're saying, no, what I'm understanding you're saying though, is you've got to develop who you are and that will bring you the opportunities that, that match you. Is, is that a correct understanding of what you're talking about? Absolutely. Two sides of the same coin. We have to go for what we want, but we have to do it in a way that others are aware. Oftentimes I get hired by an organization and I'll be sitting down with somebody in the leadership and organizational development office or the HR office. And they say, you know, we have a retention issue where people don't know how to market themselves inside the organization so that they can get ahead. Somebody leaves and they say, well, I can't get, I can't get up the ladder. I can't get the kind of work I want to do. When it turns out the only one who knows they want something different is themselves. So the idea that you have to be able to articulate who you are, what you bring to the table, as well as what you aspire to have next professionally is where that, that two sides of those coins come together. It's all you bring to the table, but also what you want more of. So let me give you a very concrete example. Okay. When I first started out as a speaker, and you're a speaker, we're both members of the National Speakers Association, it was quite by accident. Now, I'll have lots of coaches yelling at me like, no, there's no accidents. You were meant to do right. I understand. But I didn't see it in my future. And I started telling myself, oh, I'm a speaker. And I had, you know, I used that in my, my elevator pitch. I used that in my LinkedIn profile. And every blue moon, I would get an inquiry. Sima, do you only speak in the Chicagoland area? And, uh, you know, it's, right. it's February as we're speaking right now. It's freezing cold in Chicago. Heck no, send me to Florida. So I realized if I called myself a national speaker, mm-hmm. the point would be moot. And no one asked me again. And the first time I went into another country, needed a passport, I call myself an international speaker because I want to attract more opportunity to explore the world through my work. So it's that subtle shift in how you become known and how people remember you that makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. How do you help people that, like, I was raised to be humble and to not talk about the things that I can do. And in some ways, the things that the strengths that I have are things that I take for granted. Like I feel like this is just, you know, I've used this expression before. It's just little old me doing my little old thing. And like, it's not anything particularly special. How do you help people to understand the value of the strengths that they have and to be able to talk about them in a way that's not braggadocious and it's not a me, me, me thing. It's a, it's a something, it's something that is, helpful to others and not necessarily self-promoting. You really hit the nail on the head. I find that the most difficult client doesn't even see their own self-worth. I've 
often said that my purpose on earth is to help people tell their story differently first to themselves and then to others. Otherwise, it feels like an imposter syndrome, like you're faking it. But when you can look in the mirror and understand the skills you have add value. And quite frankly, you wouldn't have a job if they didn't. You move the organization forward, the business forward. You're able to sell, close new business, whatever that is, in a meaningful, measurable way, or you wouldn't be there. When, when you can see that for yourself, then it becomes not an act of bragging, but an act of benevolence to let others see your light. Because the more others can see it, bear witness to it, the more you're able to help and serve in the rising tide that lifts all boats. I mean, if we really think about the singular job you may have in a large company and how it moves the department forward and the department's part of the larger organization and the entire enterprise serves a community of people who are doing yet more work and great things on the planet. You have to get present to the to the cog that you are in the larger wheel. And then it really is a disservice for you to toil away in obscurity. Yeah. What you're saying makes so much sense. Um, and yet I, it's something that in, I'm sure many people struggle with. There is that, that concept out there that to fake it until you make it. And, um, that sounds that sounds to be completely contradictory to what you're talking about and to realize where you are right now and what you have and what you represent right now what you bring to the table you don't have to fake it because you already are bringing positivity and strength and ability into every situation that you find yourself in absolutely and you know i'll take that phrase fake it till you make it with a grain of salt there's a little bit of that in all that we do so say, for example, you're a job seeker and you're trying to optimize your job search materials, your resume, your cover letter, the thank you, your online profiles. My counsel is to look at the job description that you desire and position yourself aspirationally into that role. Are you faking it? Not entirely. Most of what they want, you have. Now, there might be a delta, a little opportunity for growth. Ultimately, you'll have to address that. But feeling capable and confident is very different than feeling like I'm in a total imposter and I hope no one comes along and outs me. And as solopreneurs as we are, you know, there's a lot of that that we can do battle with day in and day out. And when someone says, hey, you really helped me, this made a difference, I store that away in my smile file. That's where I turn when I feel like, what am I even doing today? Like, what am I doing with myself, my life, my career? Like, you need to, you need to have those proof points. I love it. I've never heard of a smile file before. That's oh, a, you need a smile file. <laughs> yeah. And it's, okay, I'll, I'll just be upfront about this. I am terrible at taking compliments. I am great at taking criticism, okay? You give me criticism and, you know, like... Oh, I can improve here and I can improve there. And if somebody, right. if somebody says like, what you did was amazing. And I'm like, oh, gee, shucks, you're just being nice kind of thing. But <laughs> taking those things and, and putting them somewhere that you can go back and reference them when you're having the days that absolutely a brilliant idea. 
Sema, thank you for that one. I will, I'm going to create a <laughs> smile file when we're done here. Um, you need one. Let me, let me just ask you, why do you think I have all those credentials after my name that the majority of your listening audience has no idea what they are? So I'm a CSP and I'm an accredited speaker. And there's only three women in the world who have both credentials. Is that for people who don't even know what that means? No, that's for myself. So when I look in the mirror, I'm like, well, yeah, at least I got that. Right. So, you know, there's a little bit of that in all of us. Yeah, I understand that. You know, I actually, though, I didn't realize that how much of that was for you, because I would have thought for a meeting planner, a meeting planner is who's going to be hiring you and CSP and AS and MBA are all credentials that mean something to you. And so it's going to be something that helps you to get hired. But in this particular venue where you're on my podcast, my, my audience is not typically meeting planners. My audience is entrepreneurs. Right. That's, right. that's who we're looking at. <laughs> and so most of them are like, yeah, we have no idea what that is. Yeah. And, whatever. Sima. good for you. <laughs> yeah. So when people are developing that personal brand, um, is that something that they sit down and uh, is it, you know, like a worksheet that you fill out that takes you an hour? Is it something that is going to be developed over the course of a month or a year or a lifetime? Like developing that personal brand, how long, what's the process for that? I, I, I do have a framework that I teach. So if I'm doing a half day workshop with high potential leaders or business owners, what have you, go-getters, Generally, that's who I work with. We talk about understanding the essence of what makes you tick. That's the first body of work. Really getting present to your innate gifts and talents, your essence, how you're wired, what brings you joy. For me, I'm a word nerd. I love the, the literally the dictionary is the one book I take with me on the deserted island. Uh, and then we take a look at your expression. How do you articulate the value of that which you're good at? And you can accomplish that in a 15-minute setting, but you're going to futz with it for a long time afterwards sure. because it takes it takes time to get comfortable with it. And as soon as you're comfortable with it, the, the universe shifts and changes. So we have your essence, your expression, and then the behaviors fall in the enrollment bucket, behaving in such a way that others buy into your story. Unless we have evolution because it does change. You know, again, a very tactical example. Early days, I was a high-tech corporate marketer and I was best known for working with startups in an integrated marketing communications function. All the moving parts from web to PR to advertising, stitching it all together, 90 day from zero to launch. That was my, that was my wheelhouse. And then when the bubble burst and all the dot-com startups started, you know, falling by the wayside. What people were looking for was something called demand generation, return on marketing investment, lead generation. Ultimately, the same skills, the same body of expertise, but they talked about it in a different way. So I had to evolve how I talked about myself to stay relevant. Yeah. So it is understanding how understanding yourself is the key to that because once you understand yourself once you understand your 
skills and talents, then you're able to you're able to talk about them in a way that matches the needs of the uh, of whoever it is that you're that you're presenting to or um, desiring to work with. That yeah, it makes yeah. again so I, much sense. Um, yeah, I, I I think that we can all learn new skills when we think about our competencies. We know what we know, but we're all highly adaptable. That's a, a genetic function of being a human being, being able to learn new things and expand your, your horizons. That doesn't mean that you have to abandon what you've done, you know, but how does your prior experience have you been perfectly in the right place right now for what's next? And that idea that, well, we've never done something or we've only known something to be one way, we, we let that limit the possibilities we see for ourselves. And the truth is our possibility, being able to envision that which you really want and position yourself to go for it is the power of personal branding. Got it. And you brought up the online world. So when we're talking about personal branding, can you talk about it both online and offline? Because listen, I'll tell you, your personal branding online, I love it. Okay, I, your Twitter is at um, at Sima says, and one of the things I love about your Twitter is it's a bunch of sayings that are written on napkins, and sometimes the napkins are like from different places. It's it, it's really cool. As, <laughs> as a matter of fact, one of the one of the ones that I love says, "Smart people ask for support," and it, to me, I've got a podcast called Learning from Smart People. And it's not just that my guests are smart because they've got something to share. I also believe that my listeners are smart because they're coming here to say, I want to learn from somebody who's got knowledge about something that I don't. So to me, you are reinforcing the concept that yes, that my, my guests are not the only smart people. My listeners are also smart people, but that gets me to, to yeah. the question. Um, as you are trying to develop that personal brand, um, can you talk about the interplay between doing it both online and offline? Absolutely. These days, you know, imagine I'm on a stage, 5,000 people in the audience, and I say to the audience, if you're able to stand, please do so if and only if. Before a meeting with a high stakes person, before you, you return a phone call, do you Google the other person? Do you want to learn more about who you're working with, right? You vetted me, I vetted you in this online space. I didn't call your our shared connections. I just made a judgment about you based on what I found online about you. And inevitably, the entire room stands up, except for a couple people in the front row. Then they look around like, oops, I should probably stand up because everybody else is. But the truth is, your first impression often happens in a virtual space online. And I don't care if you're in um, on Twitter. I don't care if you're on Pinterest. I don't care about any of those things. All I care about is if you're there, that you are on brand. In, in arguably the most important destination online is still LinkedIn. When your profile is indexed by Google, I will find it. It's often the first three search results. And my experience of you there, whether I'm aware of it 
or not. And this is where the, the human genetic code, we judge that which we see. Now we, as we evolve, we learn to, to be aware of the judgments and leave room for edits. But there is a judgment that happens. They say, you know, within half a second, when you walk into the room, people are judging you. It's not because they're mean. It's because it's, it's where we come from, you know, flight or fight. Right. Same with online. So if, if you don't look worth my time or like you will waste my time, I'm moving on. So it's really important that your offline experience and your online story mesh. Yeah. And it's so important that you're, what you're sharing, having the understanding that what you share online is going to be what people see about you, what people believe about you and um, how people judge you. So when, you know, how many times have you heard the stories about the kids coming out of college that are looking for a job and all of the pictures on their social media involve them and a bunch of red solo cups. And, um, you know, the, <laughs> the employers aren't necessarily impressed by what they're seeing online. It, it's, it's, it's both the understanding that, um, what you put online is going to be seen by others and what you are putting there is also the collective whole of it is going to be what expresses who you are. And it's really important to make sure that it matches with the personal brand that you're making it. Um, yeah, makes a lot of sense. And then you talked about this a little bit, but Matt, how that fits both for those seeking employment and those that are in, that are currently employed and are seeking either promotion or maybe seeking other job, other work. How does that, how do you run the balance between sharing your strengths, sharing your aspirations and not making your boss nervous that you're going to be leaving the, leaving the job soon? That's a, that's a great question. You know, progressive companies, uh, progressive leaders understand that, when individual members of an organization, when employees look sharp online, that it makes talent acquisition that much easier. The, the candidate wants to work with rock stars. So your staff better look like rock stars. I mean, there's a whole body of growing evidence that supports using your talents that you have to attract more talent. This idea that if you look too good, you'll be poached is a bit outdated. When you're ready to go, you will go, regardless of your LinkedIn. So to the extent that you can talk about the work you do in an exciting way and the good work that your organization is doing, you're not only building your brand, but the employer brand and the business brand of your organization. So simply calling out the obvious is often puts a quick end to that conversation. But if you have a nervous supervisor, it might be something to talk about before you take the swift action. The truth is, company, even when I join your company, I'm going to look at who you are online before our first meeting, before I get on a phone call. The last full-time employer I worked for was a global organization. And I remember dialing into my first global marketing meeting. And at the time, my Facebook was blowing up. Everybody wanted to friend me because we didn't yet have an approved instant messenger service. So we used Facebook 
to talk about one another on the call. Right. I mean, I'm sorry, to talk about marketing. And then simultaneously, like the, my LinkedIn would blow up and it was people on the invitation list for that call looking me up to learn more. And I was already there. Right. So it really, it really is an important part of your story. Yeah. I, there was a, a phrase that you said in there that I want to highlight and, and get you to expand on a little bit. And that is, um, you're talking, people are talking about the good work that they are doing. Okay. And that to me sounds like a phrase that it's talking about the impact of the work that you're the, the impact of your work on others. And it's not necessarily saying like, look at me, I can do all these great things, but it's saying that what I'm doing is creating this benefit for the people that I work with or the people that I work for. Is that an accurate understanding of what you said? Or um, how does, how would you tweak that? Yes. And it's perfectly okay to say, I've busted my butt for the last six months to deliver this project on time and under budget. And today I was rewarded with employee of the month for my efforts. And you know what? It feels really good. Sure. I, you know, I worked hard. I earned this. And, and you know, I just, I had to share. I'm, I'm, boasting, I'm bursting with pride. That's okay. Your network wants to celebrate with you for you, right. the wins in your life. They want to comfort you in the downturns of your life. Your listeners who may check out my personal branding hacks newsletter, which comes out twice a month on LinkedIn, will see that the, the early February post was an apology of sorts for ghosting everybody during what's been a very emotionally difficult time for me in the COVID election cycle. You know, I, I'm, I'm an extreme empath. And I had to take a time out and go into self-care mode. Now I'm coming back. And the number of people in my network, which is extremely large given the nature of my work, sure. coming to, to support me and say, you know, add a girl and I feel you and welcome back. And we've all been there has been astounding and rewarding for me personally, just for sharing, hey, it's not been easy for me. Right. So the full spectrum of emotion is what connects us as individual people. And people hire from other people. They buy from other people. And I think the one we often overlook is real people refer real people. Hey, you know who would be great for your show, Rob? Hey, you know who you should talk to? Yeah. Rob, who do you know who can help me with? Yep. And you're going to say, oh, you got to talk to this person, not this company. Have you looked at SAP? No. Have you talked to my friend, Danny? Right. Danny's the guy, right? So the human to human connection is something that I'm a huge fan of. Yeah. It makes it. It's beautiful. And that really essentially what it does is it, it helps us all to appreciate the humanity that we all experience. Listen, Samuel, you have been phenomenal. You have shared so much. If people are looking to learn more about you, uh, website, um, social media, what's the, what's the ways they can get a hold of you? The best ways to get a hold of me are on my website, simmadoll.com, my personal LinkedIn profile, which is again, me, Simmadoll, and I'm on Twitter at Simma Says, which I thought was funny a million years ago. Uh, Simon Says, only child joke, but uh, yeah, it's stuck. So a lot of my social URLs have the Simma Says handle. And I'd be delighted to connect. I think the newsletter 
is an easy read, three minutes, twice a month to really work on personal branding for yourself. Yeah, and I'll put links to all of those down in the show notes so that people can easily connect there. Um, and Awesome. Um, and you've got some stuff on your website. You've got some free chapters from books and stuff on the website, which I will also create a link to. Um, and I really appreciate your willingness to share with that. It is now time for three questions to establish your humanity. Are you ready for this? I am ready to prove I'm human. <laughs> what is the most interesting thing that you can see out of your office or out of your kitchen window? Oh, out of my kitchen window. I live in a condo in downtown Chicago. It's very urban. So if you're looking for lush green and trees, don't look here. We live at the intersection where much of the highways merge and loop. And the light display at night is truly fascinating. Looking out and seeing all the cranes as Chicago continues to evolve its skyline really, really inspires me. It's, it sounds absolutely beautiful. I'm sure it is a, it is a, um, a sea of lights and motion. I'm sure. I, absolutely. What is one thing in your life that you have decided you will never, ever, ever do again? <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> um, let's see. I will probably never, ever try to join Pinterest again. Makes me angry makes me hungry. I resent your craftiness, your ability to paint cool things and scrapbook and all your food. Uh, no, never going to do that again. That's just top of mind because we've been talking online. <laughs> I, okay. I feel your pain because I don't know who the people are that do Pinterest, but when you try and copy them, it never looks like what they've done. Totally I can't understand. I can't make anything that beautiful. Yeah. I just can't. <laughs> All right. Third question. Do you have a favorite family recipe? Maybe something that has been uh, passed down to you or um a a favorite family recipe? <laughs> All right. So my parents were depression era babies. If it didn't come in a can, like we probably didn't eat it. And my mom was a working uh, working mom, not a lot of home cooking going on at home. But I do have this crazy, weird, when I'm feeling low or I need a flashback, a little warm, cozy hug, I will buy a can of Swanson's, what is it called? Chicken a la king. Has to be Swanson's, has to be chicken a la king. And I will warm it up on the stove and pour it over potato chips. Now, I'm just don't knock it until you try it. The ultimate comfort food from the from the house of my mom. Uh, you know what? Listen, there you're in a judgment free zone here, and uh, <laughs> chicken ala king over potato chips. It's so good. <laughs> I'm I'm sure. It, thank you for being willing to share that. Uh, Sima Dahl, thank you so much for being on the show. I appreciate what you've shared. It was my pleasure. Today. You're outstanding, Rob. Such great time meeting you and chatting with you. Well, thank you, and we will stay in touch. I am sure. Um, for all my yeah. listeners, thanks for being here. As I said, check us out on YouTube. Check us out as a podcast. Leave us a review. Subscribe. Whatever you want to do, get in touch with us. Ask us. Suggest a guest. Suggest yourself as a guest. Ask a question. Whatever it is. We'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, I will remind you, as always, that when you stop learning, you stop living. Have a great day, everybody. Bye, smart people. <laughs>